Get ready for a week-long celebration of music, community and fabulous fun with Joy Radiothon 2024. Joy has the largest collection of rainbow podcast content in the world and you can help keep us out loud and proud by donating during Joy Radiothon 2024. Just go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. Mark it in your calendars because Joy Radiothon returns June 1st to 7th and remember, we all flourish with joy. live on Joy 94.9 Saturday afternoon from noon via the live stream at joy.org.au forward slash listen live or tune your wireless in Melbourne to 94.9 FM. Good afternoon, this is Joy94.9. You're listening to TechnoGaze, the show where we gaze into the world of consumer electronics, gadgets and technology. My name is Mark. With me in the studio today is Michael, pushing buttons. Hello there. <laughs> push- I'll, I'll push my own button on, shall I? <laughs> yes, that's always handy if, uh, if we want to hear you. Uh, also in the studio today we have Donna. Hello. Hello Donna. Hello. Welcome back to the show for... Uh, what, two weeks in the uh, two two times in three weeks. I know it's crazy. Cray cray. We may have to stop this. Mm, possibly. Uh, and um, I'd like to say a quick hello to uh, a, a new Facebook follower. Actually, we've got two Facebook followers recently, don't we? We do. Yes. Uh, one of whom? What was the first one? First um, one is Vinon. Vinon. Hello, Vinon. Hope we've pronounced your name properly. <laughs> and another one who, because such a uh, fabulous uh, joy volunteer. Tia, also a, a newly following Facebook follower. Is that the right? I don't know. F- Facebook friend of TechnoGaze on Joy 94.9, Jono Hayward. Hello. Why, hello there. We uh, have invited you into the studio because um, you're a bit more special than, uh, well, no, I shouldn't say that, should I? <laughs> we don't have more special or less special followers. All our followers are equally special. Well, my mum says I'm special, so, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Now, uh, in uh, today's show, we'll be discussing discussing Google News, uh, no longer uh, pointing to Spanish news sources. It's always been a bit of a battle, hasn't it, to, to get your, as a news site, to get yourself on or off Google News as you see fit? Well, Spain managed to get everyone off. <laughs> All of them. Uh, a new app called Scissor. Or is that how you'd say it? I, I guess it is. Scissor. 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 A new dating Skizzer? app. Skizzer? Skizzer. Scissor. Scissor? I think scissor. A new dating app for lesbians. We thought we'd uh, bring that up. Uh, some new developments with the National Broadband Network. There was a, a press conference with uh, NBN Co, Telstra and Malcolm Turnbull, our communications minister, last Sunday. Uh, very oddly timed, but... Uh, Why was new. it oddly timed? Well, Sunday. Why Sunday? You know, no tech journalist is on, is working on a Sunday. Maybe to make Monday papers, I don't know. Mm, I doubt it. Anyway, uh, also in, we'll discuss later on some uh, news around mobile coverage in the City Loop here in Melbourne. The Melbourne Underground Rail Line, Railway Line, I think is the, the old term for it. We're still not getting it. Bad news. Well, that's, that's not news. It's no, it's sad news. Mm. Uh, the latest in, uh, of course, it's been mentioned a few times this morning, uh, both on Saturday, Saturday Magazine before us and in the news just now. Sony Pictures has been hacked, if you haven't noticed. And uh, we thought we'd sort of take a look at it in a technology sense. So stay tuned for that. And Bitcoin, now being accepted by Microsoft. Does that mean legitimate? I think it's an, a perennial question, isn't it? The perennial question, is that the right term for yes. it? Yes. It's, it's one of the... It keeps popping up hmm. regardless of if it dies one year and I comes back. Perennial. People... Something? Assuming people trade in it, I guess it's it's legitimate. Yeah, say. well, it's been offered by many more like suppliers, vendors, whatever you want to call I've them. I've seen a Bitcoin ATM. Like there is one in Melbourne, yeah. Physical. Yeah, in the Emporium, yeah. There's one in the Emporium? Yep. Hmm. Huh. 
So, yeah, if you've got your Bitcoin wallet, you can put some money onto it. The, th- the only thing that trolls me about Bitcoin is the fluctuating value of it. It's a very volatile currency, yes. Mm, it is. Mm, indeed. Speculators now, are rife. Yes. Uh, if you would like to contact us while we're in the studio here, you can do so by texting us 0427JOY949 is always a good way to uh, contact us in the studio. Or you can tweet at us mm-hmm. at Technogaze on Twitter, T-E-C-H-N-O-G-A-Z-E. You can email us on air at joy.org.au. Or use the telephone, one three hundred join 949 and leave a message with the lovely Mushin. Yes. He's sitting by the desk. Waiting for it. your call. Exactly. <laughs> I'm sorry, what's a telephone? <laughs> I'm just... You know that it's, thing it's in that your pocket? Thing, uh, yeah, I use it for email. I didn't know you could talk on it. <laughs> <laughs> no, God forbid you should talk to somebody yes. in person. No. Technological developments these days. Who can keep up? Mm. Um, right. Spanish news sites. They're, uh, they're suffering after being dropped by Google News. Now, we spoke about this a couple of weeks ago, or maybe three weeks, mm. where a new law was passed in Spain. And that law is becoming effective the 1st of January. So I guess Google got in just before the Christmas rush and uh, has blocked. Well, actually, it's taken down all of the links to uh, newspapers in Spain. Yes. And instead put a little apology there. Mm. So the, the law was saying, the new law came in as a result of Spanish publishers lobbying the government to do this and that. Uh, that Google should have... Well, that any news aggregator should have to pay the publisher for that snippet of content, um, whether it be text or or a thumbnail image or whatever, that they should have to pay the publisher for um, the privilege of of publishing that um, information on the aggregation. Mm. And Google's response was, well, we... That's just un, that's just not economic for us. We're not making money from Google News, so we're therefore going to just entirely shut down Google News in Spain. <laughs> and yep. what happened to the uh, well the uh, traffic results? Well, the traffic <laughs> the traffic results have gone down, but <laughs> in sound effect form. Thank you, Donna. <laughs> we actually, can you do that again? Actually, no, we'll get off the audio log and we'll put it as one of our special effects to, to use later on. You'll be immortalised forever, Donna. Fabulous. The immediately there was somewhere like a ten to fifteen percent drop in people coming from outside news sites into Spanish news sites, mm, mm. but there was an incre- about the same increase of people going from one news site to another news site. So it's like I may have gone from The Age to The Australian and then to The Herald Sun, mm. whereas before they would come in externally, presumably from Google's news link. So right now, I think there's been a net or a net, cha- net change of very, very little. Mm. I guess it's, it's interesting. It's almost um, putting the news sites front and centre because when you when you have a desire to look for news on, on a particular item, what do you do? You you might I go to abc.net.au. Right, so you've got to slash a, news. You, you go to a trusted source. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I yeah. go to the trusted source as well. <laughs> <laughs> do, does anyone use Google News anymore to, to find out stuff? Well, to be honest, I use it when I want to get a broader view of something that's going on. Right. Like because it aggregates news from so many different sources, yeah. I will, you know, I'll go to a trusted source that I know and I'm familiar with. And then if I want to say, hey, I want to get different opinions here, then I'll usually go to Google News because it's going to pull in um, sources from a wider variety. The 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 right wing. Well, not necessarily, but also international. (laughs) Like, you know, when some kind of big event is going on, we get a particularly filtered view of it through our local media. But sometimes if you go and look at, you know, something maybe local, you may not necessarily understand all, you know, the language in it, but sometimes there's a different kind of slant there. Yeah, yeah. And I also use it for immediacy. So if something is happening overseas, the local news may trail their reporting. Yeah. Whereas I will go to the, you know, if it's happening in the US, I will go to Google News US to have a look and see what's happening because it's a bit more up to date. Yeah, because you get the links straight up, yeah. don't you, for um, uh, like whichever one came first, is, as in whichever news source came up with the goods first is the one that but will it, be higher in the list. It will be higher in the list. But I actually changed to the US Google News rather than the Australian oh. Google News. Just to see, because... Well, you can't switch to the Spanish Google News anymore. Well, you can, but you'll just get a little apology that says, sorry, guys, we're not allowed to bring you any content. I do have one of those sound effects. (laughs) (laughs) It's an interesting um, dilemma, though, because, like, Google themselves, like, the way that Google functions, uh, you, you kind of put in a bubble, aren't you, when it comes to what is returned when you're searching for stuff in Google. It, because it, it gives you what you want to see, yeah, which is the great 
you know, it filters for your preference. So if, if you're trying to uh, take on, you know, use Google for that, um, you know, uh, diversity, I guess, of, of source to, to obtain stuff from somewhere else, you may not actually get that by just by way of design, right? Like by, by the way that Google runs its business. Well, certainly for the search engine site, that's the case. You get filtered results and tailored results of previous searches and things mm. like that. I'm not so sure about the Google News site. Right. Because one of the things that Google did say is, you know, like Don said, they don't make any money out of it. So they don't have advertising on it. Yeah. It certainly increases their brand image yeah. and the power of their brand, but they don't put advertising on it. So they're not piggybacking directly off somebody else's hard but work. Google to get may not benefit. be making cash, but they're learning more about their users. So many of their users are logged in, you know, might be using Chrome yes. and therefore being tracked in an, you know, in extra special ways and, you know, they're logged into their Google accounts. And Absolutely so true. all of that data then aggregates more information around that individual so that they can target even better ads at you in the future. Yeah, they do get non-financial benefit, correct? Mm. Yeah. Or yeah. non-direct financial benefit anyway. Yes. Well, yeah, Which I is, mean, of course... What everything Google does ever is aimed at. It is their business model to know more, you know, to use data to, you know, do more and sell ads. That's that's how they make money. Mm. Which you can just get around with an ad blocker. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Hint, hint. Nudge, nudge. Um, You're listening to TechnoGaze here on Joy 94.9. We're covering some of the latest in technology, gadgets and consumer electronics. We'll do more of that in a few moments. TechnoGaze. You're listening to Techno Gaze. We like to talk about internets and stuff. We talk about technology. Uh, Interwang. <laughs> what? <laughs> a friend of mine once told me that um, a Chinese colloquial name for the internet is the Interwang. That does not translate very well. <laughs> I love it. The Interwang. Speaking Add of, it to your lexicon. Speaking of something which is absolutely like the other end of the spectrum completely, Skizza. Scissor. 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 Sizer. It's a new Tinder for lesbians. I, I would actually sort of want to suggest that it's actually the new Grinder for lesbians. Well, it has been promoted as a classier version of Grinder. Oh, well, that's that not difficult. That would be hard. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I said hard. <laughs> oh. oh, there are many puerile minds out there giggling to themselves. In, and in what seems to be a, a trend for these types of apps is that they just, uh, you know, remove a random... Uh, vowel from yes. the uh, from the name to. Well, I think to what's interesting thing. is that uh, you know apparently like Tinder will often throw up men as options even though you may have uh, put your preference as women and so Scissor will completely not do that <laughs> for you. <laughs> Maybe it will yeah fulfil on exactly what you want. Be more accurate perhaps in your in in delivering suggestions for your based on your preferences. Mm. So it's for lesbians by lesbians. Is the uh, is the uh, the little uh, snippet here. Yep. And you'll be able um, to uh, crush on other users. You what? Just <laughs> like a like, I think, is a crush. Oh, okay. mm, uh, yes, and add, add people to a wish list. Right. And set preferences, whether you're interested in hookup, love and relationship, networking, or friendship. Coming soon to iOS and Android users. Yes, not out yet. Mm. It's still vaporware. Yes. But, vaporware. Uh, mm. But another choice in the uh, ever-growing market. Well, isn't it interesting? It's almost like there's been a whole bunch of apps that have tried to break into the other, the non-gay male uh, market for for dating. I use the term dating apps very loosely, <laughs> so to speak. Depends on your definition of dating. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, one this this one sounds like it's 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 at least got it got the the news in front of us, so we're talking about it. Yeah, they they must have a marketing. And the um, the app certainly looks Approach. a lot much better designed just a from these screenshots better. than the vast majority of the gay ones. So hopefully we've got that going for it. I do like the way that they've um, given you the photographs. They're sort of in a an oval with the bottom cut off, so it's a bit flatter. It just looks a little bit mm. different and a little bit nicer. Mm. It is very stylish. Mm. And of course, filled with stock photos of very attractive women, you know, just because all these apps always are. It just <laughs> leads you to disappointment when, you know, you look at the real thing and it's just, well, I don't know. With with Grindr, of course, it's just torsos. What do women post? Is it just torsos? Yes. You can't, you can't put looked. nudity on the, mm. uh, the public pictures. Ah, right. Mm. Yes. Mm. Hairstyles? Bangles? I don't know. Who knows? Now, 
Uh, shall we move on? Let us move on. Please, <laughs> <laughs> very quickly. Commit any faux pas. Yes. Um, NBN Co., Turnbull and Telstra. <laughs> is that our new axis of evil? <laughs> uh, I think we need to have a sound effect, which is kind of like that... that um, that trumpet thing they play on Anzac Day, you know, the last reveal for, for the NBN, you know. I think 20, 2014 was the year the NBN died. <gasps> there you How's go. that? That'll mm. do. Um, so the NBN, of course, had signed an $11 billion deal with Telstra um, to disconnect copper and HFC um, from its network. This is, of course, in the Labor version of the NBN. I think I used some not safe for broadcast language when I heard about this. Um, that, that Telstra has has cooked up a fabulous deal at the expense of all of us, really, in that they were originally going to be paid to shut down the copper network and have it be replaced with fibre. Mm. And now what's happening is they're still being paid um, you know, f- to lose ownership of the copper network. So the NBN Co. will now own it. But Telstra's also going to get the extra bonus of being paid to maintain it. Uh, okay. Uh, so you, how does this work? How is this a win for us? Right at this moment, if you look at the fine print, it says Telstra will be offered the chance to compete in the, or to compete for the work of maintaining the network. Yeah. Which probably means it, they're a shoe in, but. Right now, it's well, they might do it, and we don't know how much it's going to cost because, of course, no one said, this is what I want you to do, and this is how much I'm going to pay. Press conference. NBN co-head, you know, our, our federal communications minister and CEO of a uh, corporate entity that used to be owned by the government but now is a private in, uh, privately owned company, uh, they're already talking about. Oh yes, the expertise that is available in in Telstra's ranks is uh, you know is quite high, and therefore like it's it's you're right. It's a shoe in. It's like it's just going to happen. Like yes. you would you would suggest. Hopefully, there is a competitive process. But but NBN Co. being itself a, a, a company. How much uh, visibility is there to the public on on their processes? But at the end of the day, if you want to talk about opening this up to competitive review, how many companies are there that currently maintain the copper network in Australia? Oh, one. Mm. So who is going to be more expert in this country than the one company that does it? Yeah. Well, you could argue that the people that are involved... The thing is... It should be being ripped out and replaced with fibre, not being yes. maintained ad nauseum, ad infinitum, to the end of time with this terrible, terrible technology which is keeping us all in the backwater. Totally agree. And I hate to think, at the end of the day, when NBN is finally rolled out, how much of the existing copper is actually being replaced with new copper because the current copper is not going to serve purpose and how much is the cost benefit or the savings in laying copper down for that last connection from the street into the house compared to actually pulling fiber through because i think you know it's nice on paper now yeah oh, yeah we're going to use copper but in reality it's going to say oh well the existing copper network isn't serviceable is not going to give us the speeds that we want so you're waiting that's for the what mark NBN to... was going to do right yeah NBN you're... was going to replace the copper with fiber yes and, and what... now it's not that's right and what i'm saying is that the current government is saying oh yeah we're going to we're going to do cheap because we've been used existing copper but i really don't think that they are hmm now, if you've got anything to say on this topic, you can do so. You can text us in 0427JOY949 or you can email us on air at joy.org.au. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Um, Telstra, of course, are uh, going to maintain the, uh, or probably maintain the, the, the copper network, but still be paid the $11 billion. Um, the agreement that's been reached is also covering Optus as well. So that was interesting because in the original deal, Optus and Telstra were basically being paid to end of life their mm. cable networks. That's right. And because it would be replaced with fibre. And it seems, I haven't actually gotten down into the detail of this, but it seems like in the new deal, Telstra and Optus are being both paid to sort of keep those cable networks as part of the NB, the new NBN. However, they mostly overlap, so they're not... You know, we're kind of like paying twice for something mm. we only need half of, or yeah. something like that. I, so does anyone get get more no detail on that? There's no harm in bit? diversity in some sense. Like to be able to have, have choice technologies is is available to you is not such a bad thing. But when it comes to, um, I, I know which one I'd choose if I had fibre and and even just HFC available to me. I think I'd probably go the fibre option. 
I think with the um, duplicate coverage and paying twice for it, I think that is more of a commercial thing because if you if you owned a business where you laid wire out on the street and there was another business who was your competitor, if the government went to your competitor and said, hey, guys, I'm going to buy you out, and therefore, Donna, you lost all of your income because all of your consumers were going to use the government one, you'd say, hang on a minute, that's not fair. So I think that really you've got to look at that as the overall cost of of doing this as project, a commercial reality yeah. of because the project. otherwise, you know, it really isn't fair to somebody else out there who's invested in this hardware, in this infrastructure, to suddenly lose, to lose all of their, their customers. Share. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah, that makes some sense. So I think on that side, it probably is fair to but pay. But it's still, it's you, still a bad deal for us. You could argue though that, um, for, particularly in Telstra's case, they were given this this massive customer base in the first place as a you know here you go on a platter because they became a, a private entity from a government owned. Monopoly. Well, sorry, the government, we, as part of the government, received money from the raising of shares for that, however many billions of dollars it was. So it's, mm. you know. <laughs> grossly undervalued. T1 was grossly undervalued. T2 was grossly overvalued. And it's only now somewhere, the share price is now somewhere between the, the two. Two. Mm. Yep. Now, while we're talking about uh, connectivity and such related issues, uh, the Melbourne Underground Railway Line, of course, otherwise known as the City Loop here in Melbourne. Of doom. (laughs) (laughs) If you would like to continue using your phone. I don't understand why it's called the Loop, because the train doesn't go around in circles. (laughs) They do do have a... Or they, I think, at some points in the mornings... They've just got one that just goes in circles? one that goes around. Um, But traditionally, they used to be. Uh, uh, just a circular loop one that went along the Clifton Hill uh, uh, Platform 1 uh, part of it. Anyway. We're digressing, um, aren't we? Yes, we are. As we've done... <laughs> <laughs> so there's been talk, and we've, we've, we've mentioned this before, Victorian government, along with the government-owned entity VicTrack, have been talking about introducing mobile coverage to the city loop uh, for quite some time. Uh, there was an announcement earlier in the year, I think back in July roughly, that uh, this coverage would be imminent, that 3G coverage would imminent. be would be, uh, would be deployed. I think it was part of um, the Victorian government of the day trying to seem that they were delivering on things that uh, needed to be delivered on. So part of the reason for this is that there's some concern that 3G or 4G may interfere with the signalling frequencies yes. used by the train system. So, yes, is, is just this week a, a release has been made by, by VicTrack saying, actually, we're, we're postponing the network because all of a sudden they've realised that there's a possibility that the, uh, the digital uh, communication system that train drivers use to talk to each other uh, that is in place already maybe maybe interfered with by 3G coverage. Is this like interference on aeroplanes? Mm. Mm. Good point. <laughs> well, today you have got hundreds of devices out there in the trains madly looking for signal and mm. obviously doing some sort of broadcast on that on frequencies. Yep. So what's the difference going to be? Maybe it could also the be power the, the transmitter. It could be the infrastructure that's in place to enable the communication inside the loop. Like Maybe I they imagine don't have security. Maybe they don't have a, a appropriate security measures on their digital on the digital network. So that that's the concern, rather than it, because you know this is a solved problem in an awful lot of places. That's right. But perhaps there's something. It'd be interesting to find out. Who could we ask? Who would know? Who would tell Listeners, us? Listeners, does anyone have any inside scoop, information. inside info that you can share with us? Any as to what the real reason is? Yes, whistleblowers come to us. So the latest, of course, is that uh, 3G coverage is now going to be expected in the second quarter of. 2015. I presume that means between April and June of 2015. And Easter present, perhaps? Yeah, possibly. And 4G coverage isn't expected until the second quarter of 2016. What's the difference between putting a 3G transmitter in place or a 4G transmitter? If you're already there... Cost. (laughs) But they're doing it anyway. But surely the Mm. telcos would be like down there in like Flynn if, if they could. Probably. What I want to know is, I mean, I'm no physicist, but uh, 
clearly these 3G and 4G signals are operating in and around the trains that go above ground and they're not interfering with anything there. So what's the difference? Right. I see. Okay, I'm going to pick you up on that. I, okay. I think there's got something to do with the infrastructure that's required because I imagine for this coverage to be implemented, there'd be some sort of uh, wire or something that, that spans along the, the length of the the hmm. the, um, the track, uh, which there may already be some of that in place for this digital system that's, that's uh, running for the, the train drivers. Yeah, but wouldn't they also have that for the above-ground trains? Yeah, but it might not be as, as, as um, centralised. Uh, it might not mm. be as, as um, what's the word, um, condensed as... as sure. um, so as they're a lot more restricted in where they can put this, mm. any sort of cabling. Yeah, if they've got two the transmitters sitting right next to each other that are you know quite um, yeah, know, strong, yeah. there might be... More and I guess when you're talking about tunnels, you've got signals bouncing around and mm. getting in each other's way and stuff. That makes yes. sense. Yeah. Which I think 4G is much better at handling than 3G. But anyway, mm. that's a whole different story. Uh, you're listening to Technogos here on Joy 94.9. We're uh, talking about technology and gadgets and uh, consumer stuff. We'll be back with more in just a few moments. This Joy program has a podcast and you can subscribe to it at joy.org.au. Slash technogaze. <laughs> <laughs> yes, correct. Nicely done. <laughs> I'm sure I'm, I, I'm not going to try and do the, the same voice. So, yeah. Mm. Now, um, you do realise I'm going to have to include that ID in the, <laughs> in the podcast because if I just start the podcast <laughs> with slash technogaze. Actually, no, that's probably quite. That's just mm. the start of your rant. <laughs> oh, no, it's the end of the rant. Slash technogaze. <laughs> Ah, okay. Speaking yes, this of rants, is Technogaze, and, is. and it is 29 minutes to one. Correct. And we've got Mark, Donna, Jono, and Michael in the studio. Yes. If you would like to talk to us while we're in the studio, 0427 JOY949, we'd like to know that we're loved. Yes, we do. <laughs> in the <laughs> Islands here. By more than our mother. <laughs> Even that's a bit doubtful. My mother, that is. I don't know about yours. Yes. <laughs> Now, Sony have been in the news lately for all the wrong reasons in an attack that has, uh, from all accounts, taken over the company's entire IT infrastructure. Documents Sony Pictures. Sony Pictures. Sony Pictures. Yes. Okay. Uh, documents with key passwords are now readily available and uh, managers are being told not to log into their network. Now, with the FBI formally declaring that North Korea is, in fact, behind the attack uh, as of last night, they've, they've declared that, uh, we figured we'd uh, give it a good run in today's show, along with, of course, uh, the coverage from Sat- SatMag earlier on and the news. Oh, their, their <laughs> coverage will not be anywhere near as in-depth as ours, oh. or as technically oriented. Oh. So, it's kind of interesting that this is the, the big news story for the end of 2014. It's been a year of security-related uh, things. We had Heartbleed and Bash mm. and Poodle and... <laughs> that sounds just really weird, doesn't it? Heartbleed, bash, poodle. So heartbleed, of course, was the SSL vulnerability. That's right. Uh, bash was bash. Bash <laughs> was bash. It's a shell that uh, you can use on Linux-based or uh, Unixy based systems. Including MacOS. Mm-hmm. Yes. And what was the other one? Uh, poodle, poodle, which was another SSL-related-y yes, thing. Yeah, that was the Oracle over whatever it was called, yeah. There was a big Drupal yeah, vulnerability not, not Oracle well. software, sorry. Mm-hmm. There yep. was a Drupal WordPress co-vulnerability where Ooh. they worked together to, to um, get the patch out there. So I think I saw some kind of uh, witty tweet saying this has kind of been like um, a, you know, a, an endless security sprint year with various vulnerabilities and but there is scrambling. But I think there them. is a change coming because the poodles and the bash things are all vulnerabilities in existing software that many, many organisations use. So it's it's basically saying, oh, there's an unlocked door, I'm going to go through the unlocked door, and I just don't know who's behind the door. So it's very random. Whereas Sony, and hopefully we have enough time to talk about Sans Casino, mm. are both targeted attacks against organisations because we believe for very specific purposes. Correct. Mm. Well, I mean, in some ways, the attack on, uh, you know, how, how is the attack on, on Sony different to, say, the the WikiLeaks release um, of of documents or, the, or Snowden's kind of release of well, documents? Become, come comes down to motivation, doesn't it? Right. So uh, apparently the the news is, and this is, of course has been backed up by by the FBI's announcement over the over overnight. Um, this this uh, movie Guardians of Peace, which was uh, has been produced by uh, movies no. interview. 
The movie's sorry. called The, the Interview. Oh, and sorry. The Guardians of Peace are the oh, people right. that... <laughs> the cracker group <laughs> yes. calling themselves the Guardians of Peace. Indeed. So, The Interview, which... Uh, who's who's behind the, the interview? Uh, Seth Rogen and James Franco, I believe. Mm. Yes. And nice. it's supposed to be a, sort of a satirically amusing kind of a thing, but mm. it basically sets out to assassinate the leader of um, a foreign nation. The North Korean foreign leader, Kim Jong-un. Hmm. In particular. And I think it sort of pokes fun at the whole regime. Right. It's very satirical. And, and so one of the results of this is Sony said, well, we're going to... Not Sony, but the distributor said, well, we're not going to screen the film because the Guardians of Peace um, put out, a, a, I suppose, a credible threat that they were going to attack cinemas that, that showed it. Mm-hmm. And some um, cinemas said that they would play Team America instead. <laughs> um, that also then decided... Someone decided that was probably not a good idea yeah, either. Paramount got in and said, no, don't show this. It's not too do risky that, as well. Yeah. Do that. And then um, apparently the uh, President of the United States, Obama, has said, you know, within the past 24 hours or so that he thinks it was a mistake to, you know, effectively give in, give in to the terrorists' demands and, you know, and jeopardise our great freedom of speech and we should go about our business and all this sort of stuff. I and just wonder what he would have been saying if they had gone ahead and some cinema got shut up or blown up again and, yeah. Yeah, right. Mm. Well, it, it is a corporate entity that's making this decision, isn't it? That, um, mm. Or perhaps corporate entities as opposed to a government... Uh, deciding whether or not to bow to the quote demands unquote of of this particular attack, and I guess by President Obama's comments, you would probably guess that there probably was no government dis- no discussion between Sony Pictures and the government to say, hey, should we or shouldn't well, he we? He effectively said that he said, I wish they'd spoken to me about before uh, making this you know announcement. What you is he going to do? Send troops in to guard the Sony? headquarters i mean you know it's a cyber attack it's no but this is the physical threat that if you cinemas out there are showing this movie we will right commit some terrorist acts at at those cinemas you know it's it's um it's really the the next kind of step i think the thing about the sony one which is perhaps um makes this really stand out and why it's catching so much attention is it's about stuff a lot of people pay attention to whereas perhaps you know, something like the diplomatic cables of WikiLeaks was is, is perhaps not the sort of thing that ca- catches the imagination of, you know, mass population as much. Yeah. You know, the it's but it is making people more aware of um, security issues, and and maybe that's a good thing. I think um, Time Inc actually published a piece saying, you know, what are the things we can all learn from this? You know, pay attention to the way you use passwords. Don't open um, dodgy links in emails. You know, all mm. of these kinds of things that you know people like us. We're kind of hyper aware of security issues and practices, but we all know, we all have friends and relatives who who are a little bit lackadaisical in their use of passwords and uh, security practice. I think with Sony, there are also two sides or two elements to this. One is the fact that Sony was hacked. And Sony, again. Again. Yes, again, because it's not the first time. Hacked and also Sony Pictures was threatened to say, don't show this movie, we don't want anyone to see it. That's element number one. Element number two is as almost like a byproduct, they stole all of this corporate data and they made it available to anybody on the internet. So if you want to compare it to WikiLeaks, the question in my mind is, WikiLeaks was done because somebody out there said, hey, I think the public should know about this information because it is important to you as a public. Correct. The question is, is something like how much James Franco was paid for driving himself to the studio... Is that, no one is that, is that in the public interest or not? I would say no. No and one needs to know a lot of the salacious details and gossip about celebrities' lives either. But it fills our media. It does. Now, there was, I think there was some positive side to it because there was one um, stream that I read something about how women are not promoted, but the way that women are treated in terms of pay and everything else within the organisation, that probably is very important and something that should be discussed Right, so publicly. that was the Jennifer Lawrence not being paid as much as her colleagues, which, you know, could be seen as an, uh, an example of the systemic um, bias, bias against women yep. and that, that they yep. do receive a lot less. Uh, the other thing I want to point out here is it's... Um you know, compared to something like WikiLeaks, this is definitely a screw you Sony sort of thing because it's not just the big celebrity stuff that was leaked um, in More Bad News for Sony. Four separate ex-employees have now brought lawsuits against them because they failed to protect their data, <laughs> and, and which has now been leaked. go into that why Sony? Why poor old Sony getting this uh, endless stream mm. of attention from less savoury corners of the internet? Mm. Well, Aren't they angels? Some suggestion oh, that yes. they may have brought this on themselves. If you can think back to 2005 and uh, Sony's introduction of the the root kit uh, certainly caused uh, some ruffled feathers back then and some are suggesting that 
Sony's getting what it kind of deserved yeah. because it's always a, been this mm, evil. There's, there's a hacker court. karma that's been has uh, probably been served right as as part of this. I, I suspect at least in the back of people in people's minds because of that because we're talking about a, a root kit that was actually distributed on the CDs that 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 uh, the music CDs Sony would yeah. uh, right. produce, yep. mm. and this uh, was a way to enforce their copyright on their product. So that mm. was the that was the overt reason it was to protect it was digital rights management to protect the content on their CDs, but the root kit. Um, phone home to Sony with a whole bunch of user data from uh, machines that were running um, running the rootkit and all untold numbers of, of dodgy things. Do you think it could have been um, other virus hackers who were a little bit peeved off because Sony was interfering with their rootkits? <laughs> <laughs> rootkit well, war? Well, there was rootkit war. I mean, that's one of the things is that because Sony employed the rootkit, it then also opened back doors to all sorts of other dodgy things. Yes. So it... it basically decrease security on your computers. Correct. And they wonder why people prefer to pirate the music instead. Mm. It's actually safer. Mm. Now, Sony uh, Sony did issue a, uh, a letter to media organisations who were basically broadcasting the information about this. As part of it, they said, you know, we expect you to destroy this and not to talk about it, but if you don't comply with this request, we'll have no choice but to hold you responsible for any damage or loss arising from such use or dissemination. <laughs> it always comes down to, whoops, we forgot to secure stuff, but it's all your fault for disseminating and doing your job. Mm, exactly. So the, the other issue was the Sands Casino Yes. So breach? I, I think that because it's interesting that part of the news of Sony is that uh, it, the sort of the underlying message here is that Sony have been pretty relaxed about their their security measures, right? Uh, now well, I was a little juxtaposition of that. Yeah, and you would think that a casino like Sands would have this huge security thing. Apparently, they had a review a couple of years ago that showed their security wasn't that good. Right. And they were in the process of improving it, but that wasn't going to come into effect until sometime towards the end of next year. Oh. So, some hackers hacked into Sands in February, but we've only heard about it now because Sands were trying to keep it quiet. So, we're talking about Sands. It's a Las Vegas uh, casino, which, you know... It's a very large chain. They have casinos all over the world. Right. Okay. But this only affected their Las Vegas sites. So the, one of the things about the Sands one is they're also um, claiming that it was Iranian hackers in this case who were somehow involved in, in this attack. And uh, I don't know, it, seem, it just seems a little bit convenient to me that it's Korean, North Korean hackers and Iranian hackers. And, you know, these are, these are um, known kind of axis of evil type, um, type foreign powers. But, you know, I think isn't the reality that a lot of this stuff is actually done by, you know, you know, Eastern Europeans and people who are not necessarily our scare quotes enemies, mm. um, but the only ones that are getting this kind of attention is it's it's good to have a bogeyman. So let's blame the right bogeyman. It's mm. look, it certainly is good to have a somebody to blame, but in this case, the hackers left a specific message that shows that they had some sort of um, empathy towards Iran, because what had happened about four months before the attack, the um, owner or the CEO of um, the Sands um, organization, a guy by the name of Elston, um, said that. Uh, the the way to basically rid Iran of um, nuclear uh, their nuclear program is that they should be bombed. The hackers left a message that said encouraging the use of weapons of mass destruction under any condition is a crime. Signed the anti WMD team. So there's obviously some affinity with it. And some other news I heard was that it wasn't the Iranian government who was actually sponsoring this. It was some hacktivists based inside Iran. Right. Probably with the knowledge of the Iranian government. Well, there's a, the flip side, isn't there? Is that there's a I, I'm blanking on the name of it, but a US uh, Stuxnet. Stuxnet. That's yes. right. So state-sponsored hackery mm. against yes. Iran to stop the uh, nuclear own, program. Yeah, right. the nuclear enrichment. It was interfering with the enrichment machinery. That's yes. right. And yeah. that, and that was and that was meant to be a joint program between Israel and the US. So everybody's engaging. China's engaging it as well. But what Cyber warfare. But what we're seeing is now an attack on individual corporate entities, as opposed to yeah, general why, ones. Why target this casino? I mean, I can get the one against Sony because they were doing something against North Korea, but because they didn't like what this guy said, what Adelson said oh, about right. yep. Iran, and okay. he's fairly influential in terms of U.S. politics sure, and policy. Sure. Yep. Fair enough. It all comes down to to uh, motivation behind it, I guess. In the end. Uh, this is Technogaze here on Joy 94.9, where we've got some more stuff to talk about technology-wise, including Microsoft uh, starting to accept Bitcoin um, and a few other little bits and pieces. We'll be back with that in a few moments. Technogaze. 
A quick uh, shout-out to Jan. Thank you for your message, uh, Jan, making the point that uh, VicTrack, of course, we, we spoke about VicTrack and um, about the Melbourne Underground, uh, or the, the City Loop getting 3G coverage. Um, and a nice sort of connection back to our talk about fibre and NBN. Uh, VicTrack actually, according to Jan, has uh, its own fibre network running along most of, um, most of the train lines in Victoria. Can we get the NBN on trains then? Well, wouldn't that be a nice little... Like, do they compete with NBN Co on this? Like, I, I don't know. I'd imagine that would be a pretty valuable asset to have, I suspect. I wonder what the laws are about publicly selling airspace or bandwidth for mm. something like that. Well, surely they could just offer it in the same way that NBN Co do. NBN might have a monopoly, I'm not sure. No, no. no. Interesting nonetheless. Uh, food, th- food for thought. Now, uh, we missed this last week. Microsoft. Who are uh, they? Uh, just, a, just a software company turned... Startup, aren't they? General services, yeah. yeah. I think. There's, there's um, like a name from the ages, from the dinosaurs. 90s, yeah. Wait, what? Donna, you're looking so blank there. <laughs> <laughs> now, they're, they're taking uh, Bitcoin to add credit to uh, Microsoft wallets. Now, they're opening up um, payment methods for use on Windows, Windows Phone, Xbox games, and uh, music and video, of course, which are their, their primary use of, of the Microsoft wallet. Um, the option of paying with Bitcoin is a stu- two-step process. Uh, you first need to redeem your Bitcoin into uh, into the your wallet in order for it to become currency available to use elsewhere. And uh, they the the system uses only uh, an intermediary payment gateway called BitPay to perform the currency conversion, thereby insulating Microsoft from fluctuations in the exchange rate. And what about the customers? Do they get insulated? Oh. I guess it depends what they buy Bitcoin at. Well, apparently it's um, unlike making a payment with a credit card, you can't get a refund. So they're making it really clear to say, make sure you know what you're buying, know that you want it, and um, you know before you click, yes, I want to do this transaction. Because unlike with a credit card, there's no going back and there's no refunds. Credit cards have got a whole lot of... Um, protections built into them that you can actually go to your credit card provider not even back to the person you're buying something from and and reverse the charge effectively but there's none of that with bitcoin because there's no you know there's no authority behind it okay so a credit card gives you protection because the seller that's taking your credit card details may be a fly by night and doesn't deliver on the goods so if you can prove you don't have the goods then they'll refund i guess with bitcoin microsoft though however can do a refund the question is they probably can't do it through bitcoin they might have to do it out of band through normal currency well yeah if if if, if, it, if they're offering the service to just essentially turn your bitcoin into currency that's in your microsoft wallet then you'd obviously be able to maybe get a refund for for what did I just, okay, what did so I just say so then? So Obviously, the maybe be able to. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you're qualifying what you're about to yeah, say. Yes. In not a very succinct, succinct way. Um, uh, the ability to uh, refund for the services that you s- receive from Microsoft will obviously be available, uh, you know, if you're the product you you purchase through your Microsoft wallet isn't what it needs to be. You know, existing laws will still apply, but whether it can be transferred back into Bitcoin is another thing again. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's it's like you've got to just give it a pool of money in your Microsoft wallet. For I wonder how big Bitcoin is becoming. I mean, it's been around for some years now. It was really just a very... Um, sort of secret geeky kind of thing that only hardcore geeks knew about. Then it mm. kind of went through this, you know, um, high speculation. Lots more people got involved and the prices started going through the roof. And now we're at this point where Microsoft is saying, hey, you can pay us with Bitcoin so you can spend more money in our network. Is this is this kind of a sign of the next step in the Bitcoin march? Is this is this an indication that there's a, a, a new level of legitimacy? Mm. You know, what, what does this, you know, what, Microsoft's a pretty, pretty important company. They're still obviously in the technology space, so would have been mm. aware of its sort of rise. But the fact that they're, you know, they're adopting it, I think yeah, this is an interesting data point. And what does it do for the culture of Bitcoin? We were just talking before the show about how Bitcoin's a bit, you know, anti-establishment sort of right. funky. And then, you know, what happens when it's becoming accepted by such a big 
evil corporation. And it's kind of like when your mum joins Twitter. <laughs> you know, it just doesn't make it cool anymore. Right, and, and I think that that's really uh, a really interesting point is that once it becomes... Uh, something more mainstream will that you know will that have an impact will that actually mm. reduce the the speculation and the volatility of it because it's becoming used by people who need to depend on it more it could actually be seen and, and it's been reported as such in the press um, that it's a way of Microsoft uh, showing that they're more hip and happening than than what they were before. They're a bit late, though. They are they? a bit late. They, they do keep trying that, and it's a bit adorable. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> aren't they cute? Yeah. Actually, I really do think it's like your mother <laughs> tweeting. You know, yeah. it is. Oh, isn't that? Yeah, well, isn't that nice? They are embracing open standards, or open source, a bit more now. Um, it's true. Well, yeah. I mean, the thing about Bitcoin, you know, if you strip away all of the hype and the, the geekiness about it, one of the underlying principles is that it's about peer to peer transactions that it's not mediated through a big bank or through a national what are those things like a federal a federal bank or mm. a, a central a central I'm blanking on the word again it's one of reserve. those days thank you central reserve so that you know I can make a financial trade with you without a bank knowing about mm. it and therefore without a government knowing sure. about it and that's part of the you know part of the ethos behind bitcoin and these alt currencies and I, I wouldn't be surprised that if a lot of that ethos and and that desire is also driven out of the US where there's a very strong libertarian Liber- movement who says we don't want the government involved in anything and you know bitcoin has a number of users that are off into the netherworld that are doing shady deals but i think there's a lot yeah Mm. but there are a whole lot of other users there say oh yeah this is good we want to we want to use this technology it's convenient to us but i think there are a lot of other competing technologies that coming up that from a consumer point of view is going to be much more attractive things like you know the apple pay or the google wallet and those type Mm. of solutions but i i hadn't considered your point earlier on about consumer protection you're right there is no consumer protection when you use bitcoin right it's like using cash yes Especially since but nobody still rec- none of the official agencies actually recognise it as currency yet. Right. Well, really. and have actively yeah. said it's not currency. Mm. Um, they want it want it to be treated like an asset. I mean, yeah. I think that's one of the other aspects. Is one of the principles of Bitcoin is that it is meant to be entirely like cash. That it gives you the opportunity to have an identityless transaction. Mm. And you know, obviously that's attractive to shady to shady characters. But you know, on the other side of the fence, you've got activists working against dodgy regimes also want to be able to uh, you know make financial transactions without it compromising their safety Mm. yes we should also point out before people go rushing in to use their bitcoins to buy xbox live games um it's currently limited to the united states so we can't do it here as always back here in the 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 backwaters of no let them experiment someone else first Mm. we've got uh more messages from on on the topic of uh nbn and victrack and uh and connectivity around the around the place um uh, Greg has messaged in as well, uh, pointing out that I think um, if you're in a cabled area, according to the new uh, NBN, uh, you won't, um, well, in, in fact, according to the previous version of the NBN, is that what he's saying? I, I, I can't quite make sense of it. But uh, the, if you've got cable, basically, you don't get fibre. Yeah, well, uh, yes. I think you'll see the message there. Uh, and another one, uh, another point he was making is that uh, the electricity companies actually have, or electricity networks have, have fibre all over the place as well. Well, that's right. And in fact, the organisation that I work for uses um, internet connection via fibre delivered by an energy company ah. because they've got the infrastructure in place. Mm. And of course, thank you, Jan, again for uh, sending in a, a web address to what uh, VicTrack are actually quite transparent about how they can offer their, their services on, uh, which is something that's available on I'm their website. I'm actually having a vague recollection that VicTrack years and years and years ago put out a tender for making their be free wireless on um, V Rail lines, oh, uh, lines like right. literally like a decade or more ago. Right. I might, yeah. I might have to dig into that. Maybe we should come back to this story. Mm, we always will. You're listening to Technogase here on Joy 94.9. We're uh, running out of time. It's five minutes to one. Uh, we'll wrap up the show in just a few moments. Technogase. Toot toot. <laughs> <laughs> the train conductor is, uh, is at the station, pointing us in the right direction. Wanting to get the train moving. 
I think. What was the name of the kids? Wait, what? What's the name of the kids' show with the trains? Um, Thomas the Tank. Thomas the Tank. The fat yes. controller. I do like it when the, the when the guys in the, that run the trains that, that drive the trains actually refer to the guys at the uh, the control centre as the fat controller over the PA speakers. That's that's amazing. Why not? I've not heard that. I've missed out. No, clearly um, I don't travel on trains enough. That would be hilarious. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, should all yeah. do that on the Frankie mm. line, especially. Uh, now we're coming to the end of the show. Uh, of course, it is a silly season, isn't it? It is indeed the silly season. And uh, Donna, you've got a very uh, bit of a quandary. Yes, I actually want to uh, crowdsource the knowledge of our listeners. Yes. Um, I, uh, me and my partner have decided that we want to buy ourselves um, a gift this Christmas, a, a mutually, uh, a mutual gift, which is a, a games console. It's a long time since I've had a game console because I'm such an old lady. Um, <laughs> and, and now I've got the, the, the different quandary of which one to get. Mm. Now, I'm kind of mm, a little bit uh, opposed to... Uh, 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 Sony in some ways. So PlayStation is kind of off the menu. But of the uh, game consoles that are out there, what should I get? Mm. And of Fellow techno gazers. You're an open saucy kind of I am kind of an lady. open saucy kind of a person. Saucy? Yeah. Saucy. <laughs> are you a saucy lass? A saucy, an open saucy lass. <laughs> So if you'd like to tweet us perhaps during the week, you can do so by tweeting us at Technogaze, T-E-C-H-N-O-G-A-Z-E, and let us know which uh, console Donna should get and why. What was that awesome one you said, Jono? The Ouya. The Ouya, which is an open sourcey kind of a Android device you plug into your TV. An Android-y device. Mm. Ouya. Ouya. Okay. O-U-Y-A. What are the other contenders? There's a a Nintendo thingy of some sort. The Wii U. The Wii U and... and, uh, Xbox One. Xbox. Indeed. Mm. Now, that's all we have time for today. <laughs> Don't look at me with such my a first awful. show. It's over so soon. I if, know. If you missed any part of the show or perhaps you're looking to peruse previous episodes, you can do so by browsing to joy.org.au slash technogaze. Coming up next is Cravings, of course, with Pete Dillon, followed by Fennabender. Then Critical Hit for some more gaming stuff. So perhaps we should tune in. in. Maybe you should call in and ask them. Of course, there'll be a join news button very shortly as well. Um, thank you, Donna, for coming in. Thanks, Mark. Thank you, Jono, for joining us for the first time. Thank you much, Lee. And thank you, Michael, for pushing buttons. Thank you. We'll catch you next week. Have a good weekend and uh, be safe. Techno Gaze on Joy 94.9. This podcast was produced by Joy Media. You can support Joy's diverse sound and diverse community this June by donating to Joy Radiothon 2024. Go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. And remember, we all flourish with joy. Joy.